Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the V1 Church podcast. My name's Evan. I'm the team lead here at V1 Church, and I just wanted to take a second to let you know I think you made a great decision to tune into this podcast today, whenever and wherever you're listening from. In this podcast, our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, is kicking off our brand new series, Read Receipts, by answering the question, if God is real and if he's good, then why does he allow evil in the world? This is a question that we have all asked at some point in our lives, myself included, and I'm really excited because Pastor Mike gave me the opportunity to come up at the end of his message and share for a bit about a time in my life when I wrestled with that question and what God did in that season of my life. So I'm excited for you to hear about it. Make sure you tune in to the very end of this podcast. I believe that God is going to move in your life. So buckle up and get ready for an impactful message. We're going to jump into it today. We've got a new message series called Read Receipts. And I don't know if you're like me, old school, you used to have the phone like hanging up on the wall and uh, had to wait for somebody to physically call you and you'd be sitting there like, is she ever going to call? And then now we've come full evolution to the next level where somebody will, you will text somebody, see that they read it and they don't even get back to you for two minutes, people. It's like relationships over. It's been two minutes. You sh- I mean, this is insane. I don't care that you're working. I don't care you're going to lo- lose your job or whatever. <laughs> but this message series is about how God has delivered a message to you. And some of you guys, I'm going to bust you out right off the jump here. You actually have the read receipt. It's your Bible. He's given you the word already. So let's just jump in it together. Can we do that? All right. So the question that we're going to tackle today is the question that has been plaguing so many Christians all around the world, as well as atheists, agnostics, people who've been struggling with their faith. And I believe that we are going to actually delve so deep into this. So get ready. Maybe nudge the person next to you, like push them, tell them, get ready, because we're going to go there today. It's going to it's going to get heavy. Okay, we're going to deal with the question. Why does God allow suffering and why does he allow evil in the world? Okay, so what you're actually saying is, is, you know, how can he be this good and loving God, this reckless love of God, and you're watching everyone cry around you in service, but then all of a sudden you're like, but we live in a world this messed up? I mean, this generation that we have, let's be honest, we don't want a monologue. We want a dialogue. Like we hit play on the YouTube video and then instantly go to the comments because we care about the dialogue just as much as we do about the content that we're actually watching. And so I want you guys to engage with me. I want you to ask me questions because we're not scared, okay? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, Deuteronomy 32, 4, Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, all these scriptures, you can write them down but God is just, God is fair, God is merciful, but God is also sovereign. And you know, that means that God's capable of preventing evil. He could stop it. God actually desires to rid the whole universe of evil. That's his heart's desire to do it. So if both of these things are true, then why would God ever even allow evil? Are you thinking that? 
Because, see, he could prevent it, but then, wait a second, he still allowed all that stuff that happened to me that wrecked my life and is the reason why my friend keeps inviting me to V1 Church and I never show up because why did God allow it? Why did he allow me to get abused? Why did he allow me to go to bed hungry at night? Why are kids dying in other nations? I mean, come on. So let's consider, so are you following with me? Just consider some alternatives. If, if God could just change the way that he does things. Uh, what if God can make it so that you or your family or people you've encountered, just they just simply don't sin anymore. They can't sin. They, they can't even choose wrong. Well, here's the problem with that philosophically. It might, it might satisfy this question of evil in the world, but then you'd have all these program robots running around who, who can't choose evil, but they also can't choose love and choose good either. And see, the thing that makes you different than an animal is that you don't just have instinct, but you have an intellect. You have a will. It's why we don't neuter you when you're a teenager like you neuter a dog, because just like God created Adam and Eve in the garden, yes, they were innocent, but they also had a will and they can choose. And so at V1 Youth, we could actually teach your teenager how to utilize and navigate their sexuality in such a way that's God-honoring and life-giving instead of a way that wrecks and ravages their whole life because we live in a real world with real consequences um, and, and, and real choices though. And it's, that's the thing at the root of this question that we're getting down is that our decisions to sin have an impact on us, but also those around us and even those who come after us. And, and we've inherited those things. So let me just break it down. Most of you here are probably the product of some kind of divorce. I mean, someone made a decision to cheat, to abuse. They made a decision to abandon and walk out and not be a real man. All the women said, hello, right? I mean, but Plato says this. The philosopher famously said that atheism is actually a disease of your soul before it becomes an error of your mind and your understanding. So what happens is this doubt that our society is struggling with as people are leaving church, leaving God, is a result of a disease that's in their soul because they said, I cried out for God to stop it and God never stopped it, which means he's either, either not there or he doesn't care. So let's just say like this, what if God could do this? Let's kind of like, frame it like this. What if God can intervene 100% of the time? So 100% of the time when somebody wants to do something evil that produces suffering in the world, then, then God just intervenes and stops it. I mean, wouldn't you love the idea of there's this junk, drunk driver who's made this really bad, stupid, let's be honest, stupid decision to, to drink and now he's barreling down the road and right before he takes the life of a loved one, God just intervenes and stops it? Or, or what about the alcoholic drug abuse, abuse stepdad who comes home and harms his wife and his children. And, and it's like, wouldn't it be great if God could stop that? Like right as his fist is raised, God just restrains it 100% of the time. Or if you're anything like me and you're scrolling through your news feeds and you turn on the local news, you're so sick and tired of living in a world where God doesn't stop the gunman. I mean, this is, this is real life right now. And while this solution 
seems so attractive. And, and maybe there's even this element of fantasy that your heart started to move in that direction and said, man, oh, I wish how many lives could be saved if God just stepped in and stopped those evils. I mean, Think about my wife who got called to the hospital to actually do uh, uh, just a routine hospital visit for a, a new mother and shows up to discover that that child was addicted to crack and they're just uncontrollably, that baby's uncontrollably shaking and you wish so bad, you're like, God, why didn't you stop it? This baby didn't do anything wrong. But what happens is this. We want God so desperately to stop the greater evils. But see, philosophically, what that would mean is that God would actually have to stop your lesser evil. And so in the same way that you'd say, God, please stop my dad from cheating on my mom and finding his sexual release in the context of a relationship that wasn't with my mom and wrecking our entire family, then God would also have to stop you from finding your sexual release inside of the pornography that's actually helping human trafficking and actually perpetuating a view of women that never should have been. See, he's going to have to stop you. Oh man, these people, they stole from our family. They they robbed us. We never got those things back. But see, if God stopped that happening from you, he'd also have to stop you from cheating on your taxes and cutting corners and doing things that are wrong too. And it's so easy, I think, to, to want a God that would stop the greater evils, but then not be able to look inside and actually say, God, will you stop me from the lesser evils? And so another choice would be that God could actually just remove all those who commit the acts and just say, everyone who ever did anything evil, I'm just going to remove them completely. But then the problem with that is that I would be gone and then the entire audience for this message would be gone as well. There'd be no one left. According to Romans chapter 3, verses 23, you can write this down if you're taking notes. Even Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, 1 John chapter chapter 1, verse 8, all of us are sinners. All of us are evil. And when I used to ask my high school students back in the day, like, hey, are kids born good? Are they born bad? Or are they born blank slates? You know, they didn't have kids of their own. So of course, every human being was born a blank slate or good. But I'll never forget the very first time my daughter, Bella, just started thrashing the brand new plasma TV that I bought years ago. And I stopped her and said, Bella, did you really just destroy dad's TV? Because I watched you from around the corner and Bella looks at me at two years old without ever being taught how to lie and she lies. And so we all know that we're born to do these evil things that we do. And the people who want to put this all on God, I think the real answer is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, is that we have a sin nature and we are actually contributing to the problem. We are the reason why they're suffering in the world. And, and, and one day... God's going to come and he's going to judge the sin and he's going to make all things new. This is what scripture tells us. I think people who don't understand eternity have a hard time with the finite because they don't understand the infinite. But see, there is going to be a story on the other side of the story, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But until then, you can't be so concerned with the evil that you see right now that you don't know that God is going to wipe it all away, make it all new. He's going to judge everyone, including you and me and make everything right. And I think that's why the real hero of this story isn't the person who says, well, God didn't stop it. And so I'm going to walk away from God. 
It, the real hero of this story is Jesus Christ who said, I am God in flesh and I'm going to die for you to solve this for once and for all. Romans chapter 13. I mean, he says, yeah, there are consequences for the evil that you all brought in the world when I gave you the ability to make a choice, but I'm actually going to empower you to make the right choice because I'm going to die on the cross. And when my blood is spilled, I'm going to be the sufficient sacrifice for every evil thing that you brought into this world. I will redeem you and not only redeem you, but empower you to now be the solutions to the evil in the world. And what I love about this church, and you could probably see the passion all over me, is we are saying, I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus here on planet earth. And I'm not just going to stand by and be indifferent. I'm going to actually mobilize my life, my family's life to be the solution to the problems that I see all around me. And so you've got a choice that you got to make right now. You can blame God for not doing anything or you can blame yourself for not doing anything. And because when I see the suffering in the world, I see you as the solution. You are here by divine appointment. You couldn't have been born to anyone else in any other place. Your birth date, the day, the time, the hour, the second of your conception, all the way to your birth, some of you shouldn't even have made it alive and yet you're here. And I believe you're here as a very response to this question itself. Why is there pain and suffering and evil in the world? I think you're part of the solution. This, this world would be much worse had God not actually restrained evil. And for as much evil as we see in the world, we also know that God's restraining. At this time, God has actually given you the ability to choose and he allows us and those around us to suffer the consequences of evil and even the consequences of pain. You know, in the medical community, they actually have this acronym for pain that's pay attention inside now. And when you feel pain, it's supposed to be this great communicator to tell you something. And, and I think that there's pain, there's the good pain of working out, but it's also there's this bad pain that you experience when you do something in a way that God God has not designed for you to do it. And it's like the universe shouting to us, pay attention inside now. And so even pain has a purpose here on this planet. And so for us to ask ourselves, why is there suffering in this world? It's that something was trying to so desperately be communicated to us, but we refuse to listen to it. I mean, sexuality is a great thing, but do it in a way in which God did not design and, and, and actually created. And, and it, it goes from this life life-creating force that unites, that unites, that brings together, that bonds, and it becomes something that will destroy your entire life. I mean, you, you take a good thing and you do it in the wrong way, and then all of a sudden it becomes a destructive force, and pain is shouting, pay attention inside now. And, and I think that pain is trying to tell you something. Suffering is trying to tell you something. And the reason why I want to be the kind of church that answers the difficult questions is that the mystery is something that instead of repelling you from God can actually draw you deeper and deeper into his presence. And there's a scripture, many of you know it. It says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And there's this moment where you actually 
begin to embrace the idea that he is God and we are not. And by definition, our finite minds can't comprehend all of the infinite. And that, and I, I love the book of Romans. It says our present day suffering doesn't even compare to the glory that's being prepared for us. And I know that I know that I know that God is going to make it right and that we have an enemy and he is a real enemy. And this is a real spiritual battle that we're in. And whether it was human beings that did it to you or whether it was demonic forces that entered your life. And if you think that sounds crazy, I'm telling you, I've experienced it. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I know that there's going to come a day where God is going to say, there is a glory being prepared for you and I'm going to make everything right. And so what I want to ask you to do in this time is to consider the question, why does God truly allow evil and suffering in the world? And maybe start to ask it like this, in what ways was I designed and predestined to come into this world to be the solution to this suffering, the very hands and feet of Jesus to do what he's called me to do. The problems I see are the problems that I'm called to fix. And if we can get together as a church and begin to be the response to this question that has just plagued so many people's souls, I believe that we will begin to see a movement like we've never seen it before. I believe that even that sense of justice that people have inside of them. I mean, animals who are governed by instinct, they, they don't feel sense of justice. And it's why sometimes you watch these cute videos and you see these animals devouring each other and you're like, how could that be so? But there's something inside of us, I believe that it's even our sense of justice that actually points to a moral God, a just God that created us like him. And we have this sense that there's something wrong in the world that needs to be made right. And Jesus and all his suffering was actually the response of heaven to say, I'm coming here and your suffering is, oh, just for a season, just for even though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. And I'll tell you what, I, I see a generation of fathers rising up in response to some broken father images that they were raised in homes and families and said, I'll never be like that. And I can tell you what, suffering did the full extent of what what it was assigned by God to do because suffering is creating one of the greatest generations of fathers to stand up. And I see mothers just rising up and saying, I'm going to break a patriarchal paradigm and I'm going to raise up strong women and we're going to go on a mission and do what God's called us to do. And so in that way, I can see that God has actually allowed suffering, but he allowed it for a season because I, he said, I'm going to allow it to do its full work on my people. And they're coming out of the refiner's fire pure as gold. See, we don't fear the, the, the refiner's fire of suffering. We don't fear because we know that it's going to do its full work on us and it's a purification process and we're coming out pure as gold on the other side. And I'll tell you this much because I suffered with these questions for many years. You know, and going back to Plato, it's not always going to be a question of the intellect in your mind. It's going to be something that has plagued your soul. But I believe that God is, is telling you, just like he says in scripture, I am near to the brokenhearted. And I believe that it's been through your brokenheartedness that God has said, will you just call out to me right now? Would you just, in this desperation that you're feeling, instead of blaming me for everything that you see in the world, would you invite me into the pain? I mean, wasn't that what Jesus was? It was, it was God saying, I accept the invitation into the pain. I want to 
feel everything you feel. It's not enough that God created this physical dirt body. He said, I'm actually going to come to dwell inside of it and feel everything that they feel. And I can tell you what, if you felt lonely before in your life, Jesus felt it too. I can tell you what, if you felt abandoned, if misused, mistreated, misunderstood, Jesus felt it too. And, and if you're asking me out of all the religions in the world, why do I believe in Jesus? It's because he's not just the man of the pages of the book of the Bible, but he stepped out of heaven and now he has access to this earth through the Holy Spirit. And I believe you felt his presence today. You felt his presence while I was speaking because he's saying, I want to ultimately be the answer to that question. And, and no, it doesn't mean that the suffering all automatically ends, but it does mean that if you'll let me in, I will heal and put together the broken pieces so that it was as if you had never been broken, but even better, sometimes even the place of a scar or a broken bone can actually be stronger than as, it, as if it ever happened in the first place. And I believe that, yeah, God could have done all those things that we said philosophically, but he said, I have a better plan. I have a better plan. I'm going to allow it for a season, but I'm going to allow it to do a work that proves that I am just, that I am righteous, that I am sovereign, that I am loving, that I am good, that there is retribution, that there is recompense, that there is a reward, and that there is a God in heaven that loves his people. And so what I want you to do is I want you to pray with me. I, I don't want you to take another step forward right now in this conversation that we're having without acknowledging that God is in the room right now, that God is all around you. And if you would just accept that invitation into your suffering, into your pain, you would know that it's not the cunningness of words by some preacher, but it's a very demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you that he wants to do right now. So we're going to pray. And, and I just, you don't have to have the most eloquent words yourself, but if you would just say these words with me, and invite God into it. I believe that this won't be a question that plagues your soul. I believe that this will be a tangible response that changes your life forever. And so would you just pray with me? And wherever you're at, this might be different, but just, just bow your head, just close your eyes, just create the space. And just a few moments, actually, Evan's gonna come and he's gonna tell you a little bit more about what you could do and, and how you can leave this place and actually go on a journey to follow Christ and get connected with somebody who can help you on that next step. But I, I believe for, for those of you uh, who have that voice of a child still crying out inside of you, God, don't let it happen again. Why did it happen to me? And you're wrestling with those things. Or those of you who, who have just suffered so much or maybe even seen a loved one die of a disease and cried out, maybe instead of open hands and worship before God, it was two middle fingers and it was a one-sided yelling match. And it, it was you saying, God, why? I believe that in this moment, if you would humble yourself to say, God, I want to believe that your ways are higher. I, I want to believe that there's something more, there's some more meaning here that I can't figure out in my finite brain because you are the infinite, all-knowing God, omniscient God. And I want to surrender to that. I bet you if you will do that, if you will just take a risk with me right now and pray this prayer and invite him into all that and just say, you know what? I'm going to suspend all of this bitterness 
Because see, suffering, it can actually either make you bitter or it can make you better. And see, this is the opportunity for you to say, suffering, I am not going to no longer allow you to make me bitter against God, against God's people, against the whole world. I'm going to allow suffering to be my teacher to make me better. And I promise you, if you will pray this prayer with me right now and use my words, something will begin to happen because in your humility, when you suspend all that bitterness and you say, God, I'm allowing you in, you will begin to feel the tangible presence of God move in throughout every crack and crevice of the broken pieces of your heart and your soul, and he will begin to do a work. So with your head bowed right now, just everyone respecting this moment, with your eyes closed, just removing all distractions, would you just muster up the courage to all say this with me now? Say, Heavenly Father, I trust you. I trust your ways. Today I ask you to come into my heart. Come into my life. I ask you to show me the meaning to all the pain, the meaning to all the suffering that I've been through. I believe that you can turn it all around for my good. And today... Show me your sovereignty. Show me your way in my life. Jesus, I give you control. I turn it over to you today to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, we can give it up for that message. Church, if you just stand to your feet. God's not done with this moment. That was such an amazing message, and I'm just so grateful for pastors and to be a part of a church that doesn't just answer the tough questions, but actually invites them as well. And in preparation for today, uh, Pastor Mike and I had a conversation and he felt that it was important that I get up and share with you guys for just a few moments, uh, something that really nobody uh, knows about me. Uh, We're talking about uh, this question of, okay, if God is real and if he's good, then why is life still hard? Why do we still see all this pain in the world? And I can think back to a time in my life where I was wrestling with that question, where I was kind of struggling with that. And for those of you that don't know, I'm actually not originally from New York. A few years ago, uh, about two years ago, I made the decision to move from Indiana out to New York to help plant V1 Church. And to be honest, it wasn't really an easy decision. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit was calling me and that's what he wanted me to do. So I put my faith in that and I committed to it, but it meant leaving everything and everyone that I knew and loved. It meant abandoning an awesome opportunity to work at an amazing church out there. And it wasn't easy, but I felt like it was from God. So I dove in and I actually believed that God had given me a specific date that he wanted me to move. And it was October 25th of 2016. I said, okay, God, I've trusted you this much. Like, if you said it, I'm just gonna do it. Non-negotiable, I'm gonna pack up and move on that day. And actually, up until October 24th, the day before I had committed to moving, I had no idea where I was gonna live. Like, how many of you guys know living situations out here can be tough? I learned that one the hard way. Every door was closed, but the day before I'd committed to pack everything up and drive out here, God actually opened up the door for me to move into 
communal missionary housing in a church in Bushwick, Brooklyn, an amazing pastor out there. He opened his doors to me to stay there for a few months while I got on my feet. So I'm like, okay, God, this works. Packed up my car, drove like 800 miles to a city I'd only been to like twice and moved out there, moved into the housing and, um, you know, just started the hustle. I didn't have a job. I was freelancing, trying to get together clients, make it work, build connections. I really didn't know anybody out here. It was before Pastor Mike and Julie had even moved out here. And, you know, it was tough. Uh, I came to a point where, where I was struggling. I was having a hard time finding work. My savings had really been depleted and I was feeling lonely, didn't know anybody, and I was just kind of in a low place. And I got to the point where money was tight. I, I was like, okay, I think I, I have this, this job lined up for like a week and a half from now. And I got to the point where I was actually rationing out my ramen noodles. Like who lived off of ramen noodles at one point in their life at least? No shame. It's manna from heaven. It's in the Bible. Amen. You can clap for that. But I was at that point, I was, I was like, okay, if I, if I, hopefully this job comes through on this day, if I have uh, X amount per day, like I can eat. And I was like, okay, God, this is tough. I'm running it tight, but it, it's possible. Like I, I can do this. I think I have it figured out. So I go to sleep in my little space in this missionary housing, sharing it with 30 missionaries from other countries. It was awesome. Didn't understand a word they said. Uh, so I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I went to this little kitchen area that we had. Um, it was a microwave. That's, that's what it was. And I go to make my breakfast ramen and um, to my surprise, I'd actually, uh, I got to witness um, that the beautiful wildlife of New York City, it was the rats, uh, had actually gotten into my ramen that night, just thrashed it and, and like rolled around in it, ate some of it, just ruined it like it was inedible. It's just off the table. And I remember having this moment and I broke down, to be honest. I just broke down. I started crying out to God like, God, what more do you want from me? Like I moved across the country, away from every comfort, away from everybody I love, an amazing opportunity. I did this for you, God. You called me to this. I'm planting your church. Like what more do you want from me? I went all in on what you wanted me to do and you can't even protect my ramen. Like, I literally don't know what I'm getting. Like, God, and, and in that moment, I'm like, okay, I know. I understand the theology of why bad things happen and why there's pain and hard times. I knew up here that God is good. But in that moment of vulnerability, I just ask, like, God, I know you're good, but when are you going to be good to me? I feel like I went all in on what you have for me. When are you going to be good to me? When are you going to come through for me? When are you going to provide for me? And maybe you relate to that this morning. Maybe you're here and you went all in on your marriage. Maybe you pray for your spouse every single day. Maybe you went to counseling. You've had those hard conversations late into the night. You've done everything you can do, but your spouse still cheated. 
Maybe you went all in on your relationship with your kids. You brought them up in church. You raised them up right. You built a relationship with them. You exposed them to the things of God, but now they're wayward and they're on a bad path and they don't even serve Jesus. Maybe you went all in on the local church. Maybe you started serving. Maybe you started going to a dinner party. Maybe you even started tithing and giving above and beyond that, but you still haven't seen that breakthrough and your rent check still bounced. Maybe you're in that place where you're just asking, God, I know you're good. I heard this message from Pastor Mike. It was amazing. I understand that, but I still feel like I read these scriptures of, God, you provide for the birds of the air, but I feel like you hung me out to dry. But what I want to encourage you guys with this morning, and it's what I didn't know in that moment of breakdown in that apartment in Bushwick, Brooklyn, but it's what God knew, is that two years from that moment, I was going to be standing on a stage in V1 Church, a church that did not exist yet, a church that is now global, a church that has impacted every life of every person that you see in this room, reaching people all over online, that he was going to make away where there was no way that he was gonna pull me through and bless me and provide for me so if you're here this morning and you're in that place I want to tell you that suffering is a season and he's gonna turn your pain around for his promise and for his purpose and you don't have to have that you don't have to stay in that moment you can take heart knowing you can take heart knowing that he's going to pull you through and that your best days are ahead of you. See, the promise of the gospel isn't that we aren't going to suffer, but it is that we don't have to suffer alone. The Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to you right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, this morning, if you're in that moment, if the rats just ate your ramen, if you're wondering where God is, when he's going to come through for you, when he's going to be good to you, when is he going to provide for you like he did for Cindy on that video, when's he going to restore the relationships, if that's you and you need, you need that peace. You need that joy and you just need the Holy Spirit to comfort you this morning. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Come on, hands are up everywhere. Thank you for being open. I just want to pray for you, Jesus. I thank you for every hand that's raised. I thank you that you are near to them in this moment. I just pray that you would supernaturally encourage them, that you would give them vision to see that whatever it is that they're going through, that it is a season. And even when it feels like they're walking it alone, that you're always with them, Lord. I pray that you would, that you would just reveal to them even just a bit of the future that you have planned for them. Just give them a supernatural comfort to know that their best days are ahead. And God, I do pray that you would pour out the blessing. I do pray that you would, that you would put an end to the suffering. But God, we know that even in those times that you're using it 
and that it's a season and that you're using it, like Pastor Mike said, as the refiner's fire. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you're doing in us and that you've called us to be the solution to the suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you made it to the end of the podcast. Man, it is just our hope and our prayer that you were impacted and forever changed through the word of God today. You are the reason that we do this. The reason that V1 Church exists is to help you realize and reach your potential in Christ. So we would love to hear from you. We want to hear your stories of life change and impact and breakthrough. So if you wouldn't mind, do me a favor, download the V1 Church app. You can do that by searching V1 Church in the App Store for Apple or Android. Through our app, you can submit prayer requests, praise reports, and get connected with the V1 Church family. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the V1 Church Podcast.